Welcome or welcome back to the Movie Going Podcast, episode three, our top five favorite horror movies, at least as of right now. Um, this is an episode I'm very excited to dive right into, so I'm not going to waste an ounce of a second. I'm going to bring in my co-host here, who's always knowing how to turn shit up, Luke Ponzo. Bing, bing. What is up, everybody? We're back. Yes, we are back and we're still kicking. Yes, uh, we were gone a couple weeks. Uh, you know, things happened, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, but yeah, so this is going to be a very exciting episode. And as far as our guest goes today, of course, we had to we had to pick another person who is another like-minded horror fan. Um, one of the hosts over on our uh, our friends at uh, Nerd Talk. He also does great physical media content uh, on his own, and he also does fantastic film reviews on Instagram as well. So, everyone, give a hand to Tyler Mind of a Nerd. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what's going on, dude? How are you? I am doing great, and I'm very excited for this video because horror is my favorite genre of film, and I'm excited to share my my five favorites of all time, which is a harder question than I thought it was going to be. Really? Other than the top two. But... <laughs> what What about you, Luke? Is horror your favorite genre as well? Might as well be up there, honestly. Like, I think between, like, horror and comedy are, like, my favorite genres. But if I had to, like, like instantaneously pick, like, if, if I had, like, a gun to my head right now and, some, <laughs> and somebody was to tell me, pick your favorite genre, I would I would say, okay, it's horror. Like, some, re some Reservoir Dog shit type stuff going on, yeah. Yeah, well, okay. The reason why I ask the, the reason why I ask is just because I wanted to confirm. But yeah, it sounds like all around the board, everyone in here, it, their favorite genre is horror. So you know, you're coming from horror geeks or nerds because yep. we don't mind the nerd, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I I'm I am likewise very excited to get right the hell into this. So what we'll the way we're gonna go about it is we're gonna start with our honorable mentions. Uh, of course, our guest is going to go first, and then we'll do Luke, and then we'll do uh, me, myself, and I, and then we'll do the same snake uh, when we actually get into our top five. So, Tyler, go ahead and tell us your honorable mentions for this. So, in no particular order, my first one is Psycho, um, one of the greatest horror movies ever made, one of the greatest films ever made. Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock um, produced this incredible piece of film it is you know if we were doing top 10 this would be in here but it's five you know so it's like i guess six you know um and another alfred hitchcock movie i have in here is the birds um this is one that people honestly don't talk about i think it's one of the scariest movies ever made i think it's incredible you know some of the effects might not hold up but that movie came out god knows how long ago so you know it's not going to hold up with the things that they do in that movie but it, it leads to one of my favorite final uh, acts of a movie ever. The final, like, five minutes of this movie is some of the most terrifying anything I've ever seen. Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, um, it, it, it's a movie that, you know, I don't particularly love it, but I can't help but deny it's one of the greatest ever made because of how atmospheric and terrifying it truly is especially with one of the most terrifying third acts ever and it birthed one of the best horror slasher villains ever with leatherface you know um 
it's not my favorite Texas Chainsaw movie, but I think it's st- it, horror would not be where it is today without the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's it's not even up for debate. Um, the original Black Christmas, um, all of the accolades that Halloween gets, I feel like Black Christmas should have gotten first because Black Christmas kind of walked so Halloween could run in my eyes. Um, it's an incredibly atmospheric horror movie with great tension. The phone calls are some of just some of the scariest scenes ever, and it's not even really anything. And the ending is one of my favorite endings of all time because it's a dark ending, and I am a sucker for dark endings. I just am. And my last honorable mention is the original Nightmare on Elm Street. It pains me I can't put this on a top five list, but it. As much as I love this movie, it has one of my least favorite endings of all time. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about the ending of the movie. It's like, I like how it ends. It's just the final shot. I guess I should say my least favorite final shot of all time. I hate the ending to this movie. And even Wes Craven hates the ending to this movie. So I know I'm not alone in that. But everything before that is just, it, it's a fucking masterpiece. I absolutely love a Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, the reason that it's not on here is, again, the ending. You know, um, Dream Warriors is my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but they're, like, here. So, but yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Nice. That's a really, those are some really good honorable mentions, dude. I gotta give you props. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I really enjoy every but, single one of those. But I want to give, actually, a fun fact for you guys in the case some of you don't know. Nightmare on Elm Street is actually what I remember the very first horror film I ever sat down and watched. Like, Oh, it is. It was like off to the races from there. Like that, that was one of those films that definitely made me a horror lover. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Me too. It it was a, that was a gateway drug for myself as well as it is for most. And funny enough, it's like, it's one of those things that not only does it always stick, but it kind of like, uh, can, uh, evolve your taste in horror as well, because, uh, three is also my favorite. So, you know, there's that. But yeah, I I likewise am a fan of every single one of those movies you mentioned. So I'm right there with you. There you go. All righty, Luke. What about you? All right. So let's go to my honorable mentions. So first one, I'm going to go with Train to Busan. Um, poss- one of, if not the greatest zombie film of all time. I think that movie's intense. And even if... Like, there's not, like, that many zombie sequences. It's morally focused on a story. Like, that's what we don't get with zombie films these days, is a, is a good story. But they gave it to us to train to Busan. So, next up, I'm going to go with The Lighthouse. Pro- easily my favorite Robert Eggers movie. Like, without question, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, just go- as two lighthouse keepers, just going insane. Yeah, I'm all there for it. Um, Next up... Get out. Like Jordan Peele's directorial debut and boy what a debut that was. Getting nominated for Best Picture and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um then I'm going some people may not consider this to be a horror film, but I consider it to be horror because it's actually really pretty creepy in my mind. The Silence of the Lambs. One of my like seriously, oh my god. Like I haven't seen every single thing from Han- uh, out of the Hannibal Lecter franchise. Like I've, I've obviously seen Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, 
Red Dragon. But honestly, if it depends on what day you ask me, I could I could like 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 Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon are like right here for me. Like I love them both equally. And last but certainly not least, I'm gonna go Evil Dead 2. As a massive Evil Dead fan. That is my personal favorite, and every single time that I watch it, like I like my feelings don't change. Like even even that, I like it more and more every time I watch it. Yeah, I once again I love every single one of those movies very very <laughs> much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm right there. But and also for the record, I'm just gonna say it. Um, yeah, Silence of the Lambs. It it in my eyes is definitely a horror film. I don't know how it wouldn't not be considered one, especially considered considering that there are films such as um, like Saw, for example, where it's also you know follows detectives and following a serial killer story and whatnot. But Silence of the Lambs is like okay, even for those who don't for some reason consider it a horror film, you have to admit that it is very much so, very more scary and thought provoking than a lot of actually outright and straightforward horror films out there so there is that but you know for me the five i chose i chose american psycho one of my absolute i mean the reason the i'll tell you the only reason why it's not in my top five is because i think of it more as a comedy than a horror film but you would have to be rather blind to not at least call it horror adjacent in the very least because there's absolutely some very grisly things about that movie but you know that's the only thing that kept it from being off my list but i still love the film to death i think it's a masterpiece it's in my top 30 of all time and yet uh the second one i got i got la casa lobo aka the wolf house very underrated art house stop motion animated film that i absolutely love fantastic movie i it okay these days and age it takes a decent bit to actually make me rather unsettled and you know unnerved and whatnot but that film genuinely got under my skin and i remember my sister came in at, i don't know some really creepy moment during the movie and she was like what is this like it, enough to make anyone rather uncomfortable some of the in, imagery in that film Next of all, I chose my favorite Nicolas Cage film, Mandy. I love Mandy. That film is almost, it's almost weirdly like a video game movie in a way, or it feels like a video game. Uh, I don't know, just in terms of how it, the sound design and the way it follows through the plot and whatnot. It, and it also has quite a bit of action in there. Like, I feel like usually... That like yeah you have some rather action and uh, uh, thrilling in uh, types of horror films out there but you don't there's not a whole whole lot of films where there's both action and horror at least not great ones um, but Mandy is one of them that film is just kick ass <laughs> and um, the next film I chose was Titan uh, yeah that as far as 2020 films go I know Luke kind of went down from a little bit. Um, as far as 2020 films go, it's one of my favorite films of this decade so far. I, especially when it comes to foreign cinema, it's one of my favorite movies uh, to come out of this decade and in general. And last but not least, I even wore the shirt for it. The Witch. I love The Witch. I am right there with you, Luke. I'm also a Robert Eggers stan 
and the witch is my personal favorite i mean he all he's a three for three director in my eye talked about that a little bit in the director's episode but the witch is an amazing amazing film so yeah funnily enough i just watched the witch last night for the first time i saw and that I almost i almost put it in my honorable mentions but i changed that um it's, yeah that that is also a five out of five for me that's great film an incredible film beyond belief hell yeah yes 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 all righty everyone well i say we get straight into the meat so we're gonna have our guest go first tyler what is your number five so my number five is going to be a movie called it follows it is a movie that honestly kind of took the horror genre by storm in 2014 i believe maybe it's 2014 2015 i don't remember and it, it was a, it was one of those horror movies that you know it kind of sparked buzz like oh you gotta watch you gotta watch it follows you gotta watch it follows it, follows. it was kind of like when smile came out oh man you got you got to see smile smile was like the shit like get out too like oh man get out man that was crazy you know, and I remember watching it and just being so fascinated with it. And this was when I was first getting into horror. And it just reminded me so much of Halloween. I was like, wow, you know, like a modern movie can feel, still feel like Halloween. Like that's insane to me, you know. And ever since I've rewatched it, it's just become a horror masterpiece to me. I think the acting is incredible. I love the premise too and the score that the score is just by disaster piece is just some of the greatest music I ever heard in a horror movie in my life. You know, um, I just think that it does such a great job with such a small premise. You know, I don't love the ending. Like I, I don't dislike the ending, but I don't necessarily love it either. I, excuse me. I wonder if the sequel that we're getting, they follow is going to, um, answer questions, but, you know, sometimes having questions when a movie ends, I, I don't mind that, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the fact that every time I watch this movie, I enjoy it just as much as I did the first time, you know, and I, I feel like it's kind of underappreciated, kind of not, because I feel like hardcore horror fans are always like, yeah, it follows is great, but, then again, I'll go outside and ask a random person, hey, do you know what It Follows is? And they'll be like, It Follows? What? What are you talking about? So, um, yeah, it, that's why It Follows is my number five. It's It remains one of the greatest to me, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, the, the concept for that film is, I mean, like, I'm not as big of a fan of it as you are, but I will say one thing I really did, my biggest takeaway from that film in particular was the concept. I mean, I I think it's just a really interesting premise, and it for sure is was a great hook that, you know, managed to keep me for the entirety of the film. People want originality these days, and, well, this one definitely at the time gave us good little breath of fresh air but it at the same time also gave us that feeling like we like we still want from previous horror films that have already uh we've come to know and love but it, it, there was still that reminisce i guess um that still had that flair uh of a coat among this film it's great dude like if you, i don't know man i haven't seen this film in a while but 
I remember the first time I watched it, it really got under my skin. Like, like that, that shows you how effective that, that the filmmakers were trying to actually, you know, how do I say this? Try to frighten you in some ways with what they're trying to go for. So this movie also has two of my favorite jump scares ever. One of them being in the one of the first major jump scare uh, jump scares of the movie where uh, she's being attacked by this entity and her sister or whatever opens the door and she's like, what's wrong? And the thing just walks in from behind and you just see this huge hulking figure. And then the other one is when they're on the beach and they're just hanging out and the thing is behind one of the girls, but they don't show it because she can't see it. And you just see her hair like standing up that I remember seeing that and then almost like doing a flip. I was like, Holy shit. Like that, that's terrifying. <laughs> you know, sometimes horror, horror directors really don't understand sometimes less is more. And that was the yeah. epitome of less is more. For sure. For yeah. sure. And you went to dial back and you went to dial back. Absolutely. All righty, Luke. How about your number five? I'll just give this right now. Um, if if this film doesn't show you why Cronenberg is one of my favorite filmmakers, I don't know what will. Number five is The Fly. And to clarify for anybody wondering, this is the remake of The Fly, not the 1950s version with Vincent Price. This is a 1986 version with Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God, dude. Like... You want to talk about some of the greatest practical effects like used in movies ever? If you want to look at films like where if like here's my thing. If you want to become like, you know, an effects makeup artist for, you know, scary movies, all that kind of stuff, take notes from David Cronenberg's movies like The Fly and base and you'll know what to do. Oh my god, dude. Like I can't even Sometimes, like, I can't even get emotional even thinking about this movie because the essential subject matter, especially what happens to Jeff Goldblum after he, like, after he steps out of the teleportation machine with with the fly that attracts into his DNA. Oh, my dude. He starts to decompose entirely. And I'm like, no, come on now. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, man. But this honestly might be my favorite Jeff Goldman performance of all time. Like, and he's already a legend. But but if I ever think back to Jeff Goldman movies, I always go back to The Fly. Like, easily. Gina Davis also might be my favorite performance from her. And David Cronenberg is just a master behind the camera. And he knows. He knows how to tell good stories. Like, Unless you look at something like Crimes of the Future, which sucks, look at a film like this. He knows how to tell a good story. Yeah. Yeah. The, if there was a list for some of the most saddest and depressing horror films out there, this is for sure one of them because holy shit, this is a very sad movie, uh, which doesn't, you don't really hear that term overly, overly used in horror that much. I mean, yeah, there's exceptions to the rule, but. To this degree, not as much. Not as much. Well, if, if you look at like horror films nowadays, like 
so like some horror films nowadays don't go to the boundaries that Cronenberg went to with the fly. Yeah. So that, that's kind of why I really have to commend this film for him having not only ambition, but balls to actually make, not only make the audience cry, but their hearts to break. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, Oh my God, dude. Like not only is this film creepy, it's fucking heartbreaking. Like, but it is, it's still also, that's the other thing though, is it is kind of creepy nonetheless. Like the, the effects that are used in the film, it is, there's some pretty spooky imagery in this movie nonetheless, you know? Oh yeah. And also don't have, and also don't eat, uh, don't eat, don't eat a big plate full of food while watching this movie. Oh yeah. This, this one is bound to Don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give away why, but that's just your warning people. Yeah. So it, it can get a little gross at times. That's <laughs> that's all I'll say. But yeah, The Fly, good pick, good pick. All righty, my number five. This is one that's going to be on many, many, many people's top fives. And for good reason, <laughs> because it is Halloween, John Carpenter's original classic. This uh, John Carpenter has a lot of great movies, a lot of great horror movies, but... Halloween is definitely my favorite. I I have just been, as a filmmaker, I have just been inspired by this film for so long, as long as I can remember, really. It just fascinated me, even when I was super small. I'm not even sure how old I was when I first watched it. But when I was first starting to analyze the craft of filmmaking, I thought to myself, you know, there's not really, except for maybe a couple of parts, there's nowhere they go when it comes to on-set locations that I couldn't make happen for myself. It's in houses, walking down the sidewalk, and it really inspired me how much he was able to do so much with so little and such a minuscule budget and even even the kills in this film, they're not the most gory or over the top, you know, kills that we see in horror or even in the Halloween franchise, but they're so memorable and so effective for what they are because of the execution. And that is something that has just always stuck with me. Um, and also I had to on purpose choose the ghost Bob picture because as many of you know, I, I dressed up as Ghost Bob last year for Halloween and I had a Michael mask underneath, you know, just for just for the fuck of it. But yeah, this this film has inspired me, you know, for many, many years at this point. Well, you know, as old as I can, you know, preach for that is. But as long as I can remember, this film has just been such an inspiration to me for so long. And yeah, it's a very meaningful movie for me in my life, not just for you know, speaking on horror, but in general, it's, it's a classic. Like it's a, it's just, it's a certified classic. Like, and also the scene, like when, um, the scene, like when the guy, uh, puts his hand, puts his hand on Dr. Lewis's shoulder, no score is added to that. And I'm like, that is how you do a jump scare. Like Mm -hmm. that is how you do it. That's right. Like, that's right. Like, if somebody was going to talk about this movie, I was not going to go throughout this podcast without pointing that out. Like, yeah, there's so many little things I love about the movie like that. I mean, you know, whether, you know, how to do a jump scare like that, or 
even even just when you look at Michael, he the mask isn't anything overly spectacular or anything. It's not the most overly creepy or eyeball hanging out looking goofy mask. Like you could <laughs> you could go like super over the top with it, but they did it. They chose something extremely subtle. They just spray painted a Star Trek mask and and there you go. That's Michael. Like it's it, it it's amazing how much they were able to do with so little with this film. But yeah. All righty, Mr. Tyler, tell us your number four. So my number four is going to be a movie that I watched for the first time two years ago. Um, it was always one that I had wanted to watch and didn't get a chance to. And then Sony released it on 4K with an incredible steelbook that can't really see, but I have it back there. Um, it is the original Fright Night directed by Tom Holland, not Spider-Man. And it is a great um, vampire satire. And that's why I think it's one of the greatest of all time. I think that the vampire genre is honestly really goofy when you really look at it. It can be serious. There are movies that do it fairly well. But the thing I love about this movie is it takes a fairly simple concept. The kid thinks that his neighbor is a vampire and rightfully so he sees some weird shit outside his window and they take this concept and they run with it throughout the whole movie and they make fun of these goofy silly tropes like oh vampires don't like garlic they don't like the sunlight they have to be invited inside of their homes and you know it's such it's there's just such nonsense in this movie, but it works because the movie is insanely goofy. It's to the point where they have to get a vampire hunter from TV and the dude gets, you know, he goes there as a joke. He's like, oh, I'll entertain the kid when he sees it's real. He fucking hauls ass. He's like, I'm not doing this shit. You know, eventually he helps them and it's awesome. But, you know, it, it's just such a great, you know, it's such a great and fun movie you know the acting across the board is amazing it has one of the best horror villains ever and my god one of two movies i will be talking about during this podcast with practical effects the practical effects in this movie are just phenomenal some of the best i've ever seen in my life especially in the third act you know me talking about it doesn't know justice you know i it, i've only seen it twice but it's one that every october it's one of the first ones I end up watching. I, I love it, though. I, I think it's a great time, and um, I, I think everyone should watch it because it, it's a lot of fun. So fun. I think I watched it for the first time during COVID, and um, yeah, it's it's good stuff, man. Like, this is like, like you said, man, this is a staple every spooky season, like, without question. This so is good, one of the... This is one of the two that we're going to be talking about tonight that I actually have not seen. And I was hoping to ch like change that prior to us getting down to record, but sadly that didn't work out. But yeah, no, I mean, I've heard nothing short of great things. In fact, I've never heard anyone not like it, especially coming from horror fans. I'll watch it with you sometime, dude. Just saying. Yeah, we'll do it for a watch party or something sometime. Yeah. Shameless plug, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Yeah, go go for it. Go, <laughs> go subscribe to Luke's channel. We, channel. we do we do watch alongs on there. So <laughs> all righty. All righty, Mr. Ponto, number cuatro. I 
I think out yeah, out of my entire list, this is the only foreign film I'm gonna be talking about. That is gonna be I Saw the Devil. This is such a great um Korean um horror thriller. Like this is basically to give you kind of the gist of the what this is. Um so basically this guy's wife, who is a secret service agent, is brutally murdered. By by the killer, obviously, but so um, he tries to so basically in a way to catch him, he starts messing with him, and the way that these film that the filmmaker decides to touch upon that is so genius to me. It's also freaking brutal. Like if you guys think that I'm lying about that, go freaking watch this movie because it is fucking brutal. Like, the gore that they use for this movie is, feels so unreal, like, so unreal to me. (sighs) Like, and it's also kind of a tough-to-watch movie at points, but if you guys are, but if you guys are looking for something interesting or somewhat inventive for the horror genre, this is a film I would always, always recommend to somebody, even especially... For foreign films, like if you're just getting into foreign films, I mean, obviously, watch other films. Like there's other films you can watch, like Parasite or Pan's Labyrinth. But my always recommend recommendation for a starter for foreign films is I Saw the Devil. Like it may not be the best one to start off with because it's a very brutal movie, but this is the one I always recommend the most, mm. and. And so and the story for this one is just like I don't know. It's it's a long movie. Like I'll just, I'll just say that right now. It's pretty long. But it's definitely one I always recommend to people if they need this, something new for horror. This has been on my radar for freaking years and I have no excuse as to why I haven't seen it other than I haven't set aside you know, I haven't been a man about it and set aside time to watch it. But correct me if I'm wrong. The villain is the same guy who plays Ode Sue in Old Boy, right? I think so. Yeah. Um. I mean, he looks bizarrely like the guy in Old Boy. I, I think it is from. I, I don't quote me on it because I haven't seen the movie, but I think it is him. And if that and that alone, you wouldn't even have to tell me that's a horror film or tell me the plot or any of that. I would watch it just to see that actor because all I know is that old boy has one of the best performances I have ever seen in my life. And I would watch anything he's in in general. So, I mean, that alone is a selling point on my end, but I mean, you tell me that it's a, you know, out of your mind, brutal as fuck movie. Like, I mean, it's up my alley. It sounds like, I mean, and like I said, when I tell you it's brutal, I'm not lying to you. Yeah, because it really is. I believe you. I believe you. But yeah. All righty. My number four. It is. This is if I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm looking at my list. This is the only film in my five where I did not like it at first. And that is also, ironically enough, a foreign film. It is Gaspar Noe's Climax. Climax is if there's if there's any movie out there that deserves to be called an experience, it's Climax. Climax just 
it's weird because even though it's not a movie like i don't know hardcore henry or some shit where it's like (laughs) filmed as if it's in the first person it feels like it's a first person kind of movie just because it's so that immersive and you really just do get sucked into this very bizarre and very very terrifying situation that the characters are put in i really think that the execution of this film is really brilliant because it subverts all expectations if there's any movie out there that subverts expectations it's climax and when it comes to drug depiction in film yes you can be really on the and i'm not saying that this is a bad thing but take for example films like darren aronofsky's uh requiem for a dream another banger by the way but where something like climax differs is requiem for a dream um we actually see the horror uh firsthand for ourselves whereas with climax we don't actually see what the characters are seeing or they're tripping or whatever we don't actually see what they see we just you know, we'll see someone walking down a hallway and then all of a sudden just start screaming her head off, like, you know, scared shitless of, of nothing. And it's things like, it's like, what are you seeing woman? And you want to just know what these people are, uh, what they're seeing in their trip. And, but because you don't really know, I think that makes, again, the execution of this film so beautiful to me the reason why I don't think it worked for me at first was just because this is, I I'm just going to say it. This is a very, very artsy movie. It, you know, it definitely, it took its time to get to where it needed to go. And I understand why that alone could, you know, catch someone quite off guard. I mean, I, it did for me, but the payoff is so worth it because it took a second viewing for me to appreciate it, but I have never found a film where, at least in this way, I admire how much Gaspar Noe played with story structure because the story structure, and he does this in general, but in Climax, he really did it. The story structure in this film is just so bizarre. And yeah, this is just, a I, I can't praise this film enough. This is a very scary movie. Um, if you, let me just say this. If you have LED lights in your room, watch this with orange or red LED lights. And it is the scariest fucking thing ever. And props to you, man. I'm glad you've come around on this one. Because um, I I did watch Climax back in 2021, I think. Yeah, I did. Um, for the first time. Boy, is this a bizarre movie. Like, it, but the camera techniques that Gaspar Noe is able to accomplish, I think is fucking genius. Like even especially in the films, like at least the first 10 minutes where you have that extended one shot scene, like it's completely one take. Yeah. And I'm like, there's other parts in the movie where it goes one take for a super long time too. Like just throughout. Yeah. But that's like the shot that like, but that's the one that like really sticks out to me is in the first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, and and without without this film, I really don't think um, I would want to watch it. Like, and with if this film was not good, I would not watch anything else. Gaspar Noe, I wouldn't have even watched anything like Enter the Void. Yeah, like, and 
And like you said, good point on the story structure he messes with. Like you said, he is unapologetic when it comes to making movies. Like he always, Very. like Gaspar Noe always messes with story structure. And Very much so. It, I mean, even look at something like Enter the Void. He messed with that fucking story structure. And I was just like, where am I going? Like, Last episode, we kind of touched on a, uh, a director um, playing with the audience in it usually is one it goes one of two directions either in a way that comes across kind of cruel or you know in a way that you can get behind a little easier gaspar noe i'm not gonna say that he doesn't get a little cruel at times because he definitely uh, he definitely can um but i'm glad you brought up the visuals and the cinematography in this film because i mean his visuals are always amazing but in climax it's up there with his best cinematography, his best color palettes. I mean, this film is just freaking amazing looking. Just the visuals alone are su such a standout. But, but yeah, it's... climax. So yeah, another stamp of approval for me. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All righty, this is a big moment here. We're diving into the top three. All right, Tyler, go right ahead. My number three is I, I had to have a John Carpenter movie on here and it wasn't going to be the one that uh, Frisky talked about, but it's going to be the one that I personally think is his best movie. That is John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, his remake of The Thing that is one of the greatest atmospheric horror movies ever. It takes, it, it, it has so many elements that make it what it is. Like, I love the fact that they can't leave because of the temperature that, that, you know, I love that they're snowed in basically the whole time and they have no choice but to stay here and fight off this thing. And of course the, the, the entity of the thing is one of the greatest horror entities of all time. Um, and for the second time, the practical effects in this movie are just, fucking immaculate i mean the, the the scene where they're trying to bring one of the guys back to life and the thing just fucking opens and bites and rips his arms off i can't even properly describe my reaction to that the first time i saw it i almost lost my fucking mind and again the, the practical effects are just so immaculate but the acting here is amazing especially from kurt russell in one of his earlier roles he's amazing in this movie you know, and the, the movie just does such a great job at keeping you on edge and keeping you on your toes because you don't know where it's going. I absolutely adore this movie. It is without a doubt one of my favorites. My number three is John Carpenter's thing. Nice. Yeah, no, it's one of my all-time very, very, very favorites as well. I mean, and I, mm. because I can't think of any better examples off the top of my head, this this has to really be up there for some of the best practical effects I've ever seen in a movie ever. Really? This yeah. is uh makeup one Oh one right here, dude, because <laughs> the makeup and uh, practical effects used in this film are amazing. And everything, everything is practical. Like mm. here's a fun fact. Um, the title card in this film, I the way they did it was so crazy. If I recall correctly, I think what they did is they had a fish tank and on the back 
of the fish tank, they had the thing's logo written out there. And they filled the tank with aluminum foil or something, something flammable. They lit it on fire. And as the uh, as the foil burnt, it slowly revealed the logo. They just darkened that. And that's what we see in the movie. Like, that is brilliant. Yeah, if we can call... If we can say one word to describe uh, the thing, brilliance. For sure. And, and this is one of the first horror films that I watched that truly, truly scared me. Like, like just the, exactly the scene that Tyler was bringing up. Like when they were trying to bring the guy back to life and then his, and then the, his stomach just opens up and then, and then bites the guy's arms up. Oh my God. Like, don't even get me started. If I can give two cents on you guys brought up jump scares and how to do jump scares right, look at this film. I mean, the thing is, usually in horror, you can nine out of ten times, and I am going to strongly say nine out of ten times, you know when a jump is about to come. There's All of a sudden, the music cuts out, or everything is dead quiet, or whatnot. Like it's you, just, you just, just going to swell down like... like or, it's just going to swell down like that. Or the characters like, like making this anticipation phase. Like you just know when it's coming. Mm-hmm. In films like The Thing, it just hits you out of nowhere. There's no anticipation. There's no buildup. Shit just flies at you. Like that that scene you brought up, for example, on the operating table. There's no build up to what's about to happen at all all of a sudden it's like holy shit his stomach grew a fucking mouth it's like what <laughs> the like uh, the blood <laughs> test the blood test scene is also one of the best ever when, when yes. they the uh yes I love and, that and you just see the fucking thing jump out of the the, the little thing you're like what the fuck is that and you just see <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh and, and uh, the dog scene dude is just one of the grossest scenes i ever like oh my so nasty yeah this is another gross movie (laughs) but i i love it It, this is my favorite extraterrestrial horror film i i love this film to no end god now i want to watch this again i know same right (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no i i love this one too so much so i have a poster of it on my closet all righty mr luke what you got all right, Glenn, let's go back to Cronenberg here for a minute and talk about my personal favorite, Videodrome. Yes, Videodrome. This is, okay, funny story. Um, I saw this one for the first time back in 2021. And I, unironically, this is one of those films I watched twice in one sitting. I actually did that. I watched this film twice in one sitting. Because the first time I watched it, like it was as I was watching it, I was like, "Hmm, okay, there is a good idea here. I'm not quite sure about this. Let, let's let's try that again." And then I and then I watched the entire film, start to finish, again, and my mind was just blown with what they were doing here. Just the fact that. David Cronenberg is able to take such an interesting story and make it as effective as it is. Oh man. And 
this is kind of a constant thing we're talking about here on this podcast, practical effects. The practical effects that they use in this movie, especially with what they do to James Woods' stomach, I'm not going to give it away in case any, any of you have not seen it, which, by the way, if you haven't, do so, please. Because um, it is just the most mind-blowing thing I think I've honestly ever seen for most, mostly, if any, practical effects, like, ever. And James Woods, this is easily the best performance of his entire career. I mean, and he's a great actor, like, all the way around. But this is easily his best performance. And and some of the atmosphere and the lore they discover here and the messages that they're going for. Cronenberg could not have done it any better. Like, and, yeah, this is easily my favorite of his. Yeah. Um, for me, not only this is also my favorite Cronenberg, but I have to thank Luke on this one because when it comes to films that Luke has introduced me to, this is pretty up there for one of my very favorites that, you know, I probably wouldn't have even heard of this film, at least not for a good while until Luke pushed me to watch it. I'm glad he did because this movie freaking rules. Uh, the one kill, which I'm not going to give it away, but the the hints I'll give us what I'm talking about. The one that takes place on a stage. That is one of the craziest kills I've ever seen in a horror film ever. And the ending, again, same thing. The practical effects are just nuts in this film. And also the social commentary of this film is just uh, really ahead of its time. It kind of came true in a way. Um, uh, at the time, I think it was mostly talking about television, but when you look at the effects that, uh, you know, social media and whatnot have on uh, the, the effect they have on society in, in turning people into brain zombies, like it, it kind of halfway came kind of true. Um, it's kind of scary. The control that you can have over people through the means of the media. And, um, I mean, also, can we just say thank you, Criterion, because this is one of the best alternative posters ever, ever. Oh, yes, yes. And I do want to say thank you for pointing out that social commentary because um, and like what like what the film is trying to say, because this is one of those social commentary messages. Like you said, it was so ahead of its time that I feel like it actually holds true to today. Absolutely. Because so, even like when you think about it now, oh my god, is it effective, dude? It, it didn't only speak uh, on its. Uh, it, it wasn't even just speaking about the present at that time in the eighties. It, it it predicted the future too. I I, I literally wanted. I, I think after um, I think after the third time I watched this film, I literally I think I was like, is David Cronenberg a goddamn fortune teller? Right, <laughs> <laughs> kind of but, felt right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the point I was trying to make right there. But yeah, Videodrome, absolutely. David Cronenberg's Magnum Opus. I, yeah, this is one of those films. Easily, I would call a masterpiece. Yeah, like, certified banger, it. certified banger indeed. So yeah, if you got, like I said, if you guys love horror, if you get which, why would like. If you're listening to this, you probably should. Um, 
<laughs> but I'm, I'm saying more, more like atmospheric horror. Mm-hmm. Like, because this film is very out there. Like, it, like, Cronenberg does not hold back any punches with this movie. Like, he will show you these things. Like, yeah. And I mean, I think it appeals to a lot of audiences and niches when it comes to horror though, too. I mean, like, again, I mean, this is definitely a sci-fi horror film. So if you like sci-fi horror, this is a must watch. If you love good usages of practical effects, you got to watch it. Uh, If you're a Cronenberg fan, why haven't you watched it? Uh, It's very artsy as well. It's very much so an artsy horror film. Um, And it's also, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I don't love disturbing shit. If you like morbid, (laughs) if you like morbid movies, like I do must watch. Yeah. I mean, there's, it appeals to a lot of people, uh, but also very much so not either. You know, sometimes I forget that I recommended this movie to you, Britsky. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I legit forget that I recommended it to you, but this is another one of those films that I always recommend to horror fans. Like if they're looking for something new, original, or, like this is very old school horror, obviously, but but it's a film that's very much so ahead of its time, but it's and it still can hold true today. Yeah, and this is, and like I said, another one of those films I always recommend to people. Definitely, very much so true. Alrighty, into my oh, I should have pulled this up here. Into my number three, I have a more contemporary pick uh but it is what it is for good reason Ari Oster's Hereditary uh <laughs> few films ever have the effect to stick on me like Hereditary did back when I first watched it this movie I I've told the story once or twice but this is a film where after I had watched it, I don't even think it was, it was kind of weird. My mom and I, we had a list of horror films. We were just going to cross off the bucket list. And I didn't even really know too much about what this movie even was going to do it. I just heard it was good. And I checked it out. I I wasn't ready. <laughs> I was not ready. Um, For two straight weeks, this film was all I could think about. I walked down the hallways at school thinking about hereditary i probably failed a test or two because i was just daydreaming about hereditary um i watched other i tried to watch other movies and i like minutes would go by and i'm like oh shit i've been thinking about hereditary I, like i haven't even been paying attention to what i've been watching like it, it really had that strong of an effect on me and this for a long time was my number one it's not that anymore but i mean still look how high it is nonetheless it's definitely my favorite Ari oster flick and he's my favorite contemporary director working today um i think just anything this man does he just is one of the most as martin scorsese said one of the most extraordinary voices in new cinema um i mean considering that he hasn't been making films for very long and feature films for even less of an amount of time. He just knows how to make a lasting effect on the audience. Uh, Hereditary, like I said, I just couldn't shake off. And same thing happened with Midsummer and Bo's Afraid. This man is just a genius. And 
This film is just one. I, I've probably seen it at least 20 times. And still, there are little things I always somehow managed to notice in the background. I don't think a single time has gone by and I didn't pick up something new. It's just one of those mysteries that just, it's a never ending mystery that just always unravels itself. And there's so much artistry and craftsmanship behind this film. And when it comes to slashers and B horror and whatnot, you know, it's fun. It's dandy. We all can kick back and laugh and have a good time with it. But then you have films like this that go out of their way to take the material super seriously and really make put effort into drilling the imagery and themes uh, into the viewer's brains and ones that they just cannot wash out for, you know, endless amounts of time to come. So yeah, Hereditary, one of my very favorite films. It is. I I told this story before too. Um, the first time I watched this film was like at seven o'clock at night. I could not go to sleep for the rest of the night. That was how much this film terrified me. Good. Yeah, dude. Oh, oh, oh man. Yeah, this that is a shit, this is a spooky one. Me out. Please. This is a spooky one. All righty. Well. We're in the end game now. Number two. All right, Tyler, what you got for us? Um, my number two is my favorite movie of all time. And people might say, well, why is it number two? Why is it not number one? Because critically, I know this is not the greatest horror movie ever made, but I can't make a top five horror movie list without having my favorite movie of all time and that of course is the original scream um i mean this is this has been forever you get this is all scream this is all scream and i will continue to buy more i don't give a shit um scream is the very first horror movie that i ever watched and it was one of the first, it, it was the horror movie that kind of showed me that horror can be fun. Horror is not only terrifying. Horror is a genre that can also be fun and goofy and stupid. And that's, it, it, it kind of, you know, showed me like, I don't need to be afraid of all horror movies, you know. And I just, I gravitated to it because of the characters and the writing and the dialogue. And the more I grew up, the more I appreciated it because I had seen all these horror movies and I went back and I'm like, oh, it's paying homage to these movies. And it's a, it's a celebration of horror. And, you know, how, as a horror fan, how can you not love a movie that is celebrated the entire genre? You know, is it making fun of things? Sure, but horror is a genre that is to be made fun of because horror while a great genre is a stupid genre at the same time. So I I'm not mad about that, but you know, whether you talk about the iconic characters to the castings to Ghostface having one of the most simplest looks, but just being such a great killer um, to one of, if not my favorite third acts of all time with this movie. And it lasts for like 45 minutes in this one house, you know. And of course, you get the amazing killer reveal. 
and that entire final 15 minutes, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's incredible. I've seen it. I can't even tell you how many times. It's just a, a movie that I watch year-round at least three times within a year, maybe even more. You know, in October, this is a must, no question, but I'll randomly be, I'll be having a shitty day, and I'll be like, I want to watch Scream because I'm having a really fucking bad day. That legitimately happened last year. So, you know, I, I don't need to say anything else. I, I think it's one of the greatest horror movies ever made, you know. It's my favorite movie of all time, but I know that there is there is a horror movie that is better than this. But my number two is Scream. It will remain one of my it will remain my favorite movie of all time, but it's it's always gonna be one of my favorites. Certified classic. That's all I gotta say about this. Classic status is certified with Scream. Absolutely. I love this damn movie and that watch along we did which by the way if you all want to check out the replay and you like watch alongs and commentaries and whatnot when you watch your movies there is one on Luke's channel we did for scream where all three of us were there so go check that out um uh, but that was yeah. a really fun one too by the way um yeah no scream uh, likewise i mean we've been talking a lot about gateway horror you know halloween scream and scream was again definitely one of them for me as well i'm and i love the blend of tones in this film uh you can that can be said about a couple of the others in the franchise too but especially in this one because the opening even though there's like jokes cracking like um oh my oh my gosh the fucking uh uh who who's the killer in Friday the 13th? Jason Jason wrong. It's like <laughs> just comedy amongst the madness and then not to mention uh when the whole house invasion home invasion bit actually goes it's extremely intense. I remember I the first time I watched this I was probably like 7 or 8 years old and to me it was fucking scary as hell. I thought it was very scary with how intense it got very brutal murder to follow. And then the rest of the movie, uh, to me, doesn't get nearly as scary. It's definitely more comedy oriented from there, but yet it still has tension suspense. And uh, like you said, it's a celebration of horror um, makes fun of all the tropes and then somehow can subvert the expectations at times as well. And also this is me just being, uh, an art geek here but it's never not going to be admirable to me how Ghostface's mask is based off the painting the scream um which is an iconic piece and i mean yeah i mean i i love this movie too this is also a banger for sure yep this is another um another gateway entry for me for horror as well and always can't forget the iconic line I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's actually going to be at Mad Monster, I think, this this next one. I think he's going to be there. All right. He might be there, so save up your moolah. <laughs> come, 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 to, come to Arizona. <laughs> but yeah. Again, dude, I, really, I, I just need to, I need to slow down blind physical media in order for that to happen. I know, right? Well, yep. That is, that is a very good pick for you know, a favorite film of all time. That is, that's awesome. All righty, Luke, go right ahead. 
All right. Well, before you pull this up, man, I just want to uh, come out and fully say this is definitely not going to be every like this is not going to be on anybody's list for the most part. But the fact that this film has stuck with me for the past couple of years that it's been out, I can't think of a film that I've talked about the most and also resonated with the most, even though it's only my number two. So that's to say a lot. It is the black phone. Yep. I'm one of those people. I freaking love the black phone. I mean, dude, I own this movie on Blu-ray. I even have a t-shirt based off of this movie. I'm clearly a fan. But that's besides the point. What I love about this film so much is how real and like the real things that Scott Derrickson depicts with this um, 1970s um, Denver world that he's depicting is so realistic and dirty. Like, it's not just a clean palette. Like, you think, oh, it's just this happy world of the 1970s, and then the grabber is the one that terrorizes the happiness. No. He depicts it with such grime and dark, where it's like, because seriously, kids are pummeling each other bloodily, there's fights and abusive parents. He know like, he knows that the, the 70s was not the rose-colored glasses era. He knows that. And with him and C. Robert Cargill's script, I thought he did masterful with what he was given with the material. And this is based on a short story, if you guys don't know, by Joe Hill, the son of Stephen King. And I actually read that story before seeing this movie. And I thought they got a lot right. Like, mo like obviously, the look of the grabber, they didn't quite get fully. But it's like, I felt like with what they were wanting to do was actually have the grabber have a creepy voice rather than just the look. Because, he, because the look of the grabber in the book was heavily inspired by John Wayne Gacy, the clown. And what was their first casting choice to play as the grabber? None other than Ethan Hawke. Particularly for the voice he has. So they abandoned that, all of that. But besides all that, I thought the kid performances were all fantastic. Um, I love the story they decided to tell. Um, but I obviously cannot overlook my man Ethan Hawke as the grabber. Possibly one of the scariest villains, in my personal opinion. Like, not only is he quirky with this type of humor, but he is also utterly terrifying. Like, but also the thing that I love about, like, uh, that I love about the character, whenever he has his masks on, the masks change depending on his mood. And I'm like, that is genius. Like, seriously, I, I don't know, man. And, but I think the, but the real show stealer in this movie is Madeline McGraw as uh, Finney's sister, Gwen. Like, not only did she bring, like, some good laughs from the audience, but she also is one of the heart and souls of this story, especially when she tries to find her brother, who is obviously kidnapped. But, and it's one of those, and here's the thing. Um, so the scene when, whenever it comes to parts of like the grabber, like going for his victims, Scott Derrickson 
makes it fade to black. He does not show you what happens. And not showing what happens is even scarier. Like, because it's like, you can't imagine exactly like what he's actually, like what he actually did. And man, dude. And, and also we're talking about less is more with jump scares. This movie is very limited with jump scares. Like Scott Derrickson knows that he knows that jump scares are all, are not always the target to scare people. Even if it's like a loud sound, just to clarify the jump scare, he does it so effectively. Music's not slowing down. He like he'll just go, just turn the camera, just a little bit, and then boom. He just goes right for it. So, and yeah, I I could go on for hours about this movie, but I've seen it about eight times now. Every single time I watch it, it gets better. Damn. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely I'm I'm able to admire a number of aspects of the film, you know, especially after we rewatched it. But um, I mean, my favorite thing about the movie, it should be obvious. It's Ethan Hawke. Yeah, he just he really does. There has to be admiration for him becoming the part. And um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Ethan Hawke as is. I think he's a fantastic actor, but. You know, I uh, the roles that I really, really like Ethan Hawke in, he's not a villain. You know, the before trilogy, Training Day, he's not a villain in a lot of my favorites that he's in. But I also want to call out for uh, Predestination. Predestination, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's the. It, it was kind of nice to see a little change of pace compared to what I even Sinister. He's not you know um the bad guy he's not really. the villain in that one and like talk you want to talk about scary, that was scary <laughs> for sure but like but i want to say i'm one of the i'm definitely one of those people i prefer the black phone over sinister yeah. i'm one of those people i mean it, it's a different it's a different change of pace so yeah i mean it, it, I, it's i'm glad you enjoy the movie as much as you do for sure dude yeah i like not, it's not only one of those films that even when I watch it, I just cannot stop thinking about it. Yeah, it's it's that good for me. I mean, it may not be for everybody else, which I get why. But this is just a film that resonated with me, and I had like, and plus when this film, like when my theater opened, I I was gonna go see this film every like like my to clarify my new theater which opened a couple years ago. I was gonna see this film first chance I got. Yeah. I well, and that, love it. that's the thing though, too, is it's important to, you know, have those films where you're not afraid to be a defender of it because it's, you know, it's your movie at the end of the day, the, one of your favorites, you know, and that is going to look drastically different than other people's favorites list or favorite horror films list. I mean, all, all three of these lists alone are vastly different, but you know exactly that's what makes it subjective and honestly more interesting there you go all righty my number two i'm going to hit you with one of my very favorite filmmakers of all time he and this is it really does go between a few of his films for my very favorite 
Um, right now, this would probably be my third, but it's up there. But it is for sure my second favorite horror film of all time. It is made by... If there was ever credit given to a director who knows the camera better than honestly any other filmmaker before or after him, it is Stanley Kubrick and especially seen in his film, the shining or his take on Stephen King's, the shining, shall we say this film is a freaking masterpiece says it on the poster. Sure. But I can definitely testify and I, for anyone who knows, I don't hand out that word a lot. I don't give a lot of 10 out of 10s very often. In fact, it's kind of rare. But with this film, there is just no way I couldn't love it as much as I do. This film is, I do not know how else to describe it other than it's almost like if a horror movie was to be compared to a painting. Every piece of what you see in the frame, the mise-en-scene, the performances, the score, the sound design, the editing, the colors, the dialogue, the very scary dialogue, the imagery, the pacing, the way it uses every inch of that runtime so well. This is a film that just flies the hell by. And, you know, it's a long one, two and a half hours. But I genuinely do not where the time goes when I watch The Shining. I have seen this film countless times. And finally getting the chance to see this classic on the big screen was one of the most surreal experiences I have ever sat through. And I can't wait for next October because I really hope I get to do it again. If there is a film that deserves to be seen on the big screen, you could honestly go with any Kubrick film for that matter, but The Shining is really up there. I uh, This film is so great. I Jack Nicholson gives one of the best performances ever in this film. Shelley Duvall, same thing. Uh, in fact, all the cast all around is great. You know, that being said, I mean... This film is just, there's so many layers to it as well. You know, you have a mix of psychological horror with supernatural and haunted hotel horror. The tension just gets under your skin and makes every hair on your arm go straight up like a dog. And it gets brutal as shit in that third act. I swear, even though I had, so like I said, last year I saw it in the theater. Every viewing experience prior hand, sure, I've always loved this movie. But it was almost like seeing it for the first time, uh, first time viewing when I was watching it in the theater when it came to that third act. Because that third act, as is, is one of the scariest third acts I've personally ever seen. But I swear, <sighs> I was damn red red i was damn near ready to shit my pants hearing the sound design and the score and it felt like the walls were caving in and the fact that a movie can have that effect on you 
and this many years later is just astonishing. And Kubrick has, you know, that, <laughs> that transcendental experience with the majority of his films, but man, you give him a horror film and get, get ready to get ready to wet your chair because this movie is very scary, <laughs> but here's Johnny. <laughs> and come on he has the, to do memes, it. the memes like there's this movie like spawns so many memes and so many parodies the simpsons episode like you could the what this movie meant to pop culture too is just i mean you can go on and on about the shining it's, it's just it's shiny. yeah wendy darling light of my life my life <laughs> come play yeah. with us forever <laughs> and ever oh yeah dude like Every piece of this movie, too, like uh, the memes are so great, but <laughs> but red yeah. rum, red rum, red rum. All righty, guys. Well, big moment number one. Tyler, give us something good. So, my number one is a movie that I had always been curious and watching, and I watched it when I was about. Uh, let's airball it and say 14, 15. And it, it was a movie I heard everyone talk about and I had wanted to watch it. When I finally watched it, it genuinely scared the shit out of me. And it, it was a movie that I've always grown and respected. And it's Ridley Scott's original classic, Alien. Um, I feel like space horror in the Alien genre is very... Um, dry and stale you know i feel like the only other one that has done it so well is the thing and you know you watch this movie and it's it, it's crafted so simply and you just sit here like how does all of this work and yet there's not a lot done here you know it it, it takes a, a concept that's like very out there and makes it feel so grounded and realistic and terrifying it makes extraterrestrials feel like these actual real beings that exist in our world you know the acting in this movie is just absolutely out of this world incredible um i also love the setting the uss uh, nostromo is just terrifying to look at you know and the way this movie unravels is just it's a masterclass. It is a masterclass. You know, the the you get the guy who gets the the chest burster on his face, but you don't know it's a chest burster. You're just like, oh, he has an alien on his face, and then, you know, he's just like, yeah, I'm awake now. It's like, um, no, you, what the fuck was that? You had that thing on your face. What the hell? And then you know, it's all fine and dandy, you know, until you get the dinner scene, one of the most iconic scenes in fucking cinematic history. That for those who don't know, the cast members did not know that that thing was going to happen. So those reactions are genuine reactions, which is, you know, amazing in and of itself. But it births one of my favorite final girls in Ellen Ripley. Yes, she is a final girl. You know, even though Aliens is a sci-fi movie, she's still a, she's a final girl, bro. And um, it also gave us one of the greatest horror creatures ever in the Xenomorph, one of the scariest creatures to ever be graced on film. You know, the practical effects here are amazing. 
Um, and this thing is just terrifying. This thing is wrecking havoc before it's even in its full form. When it finally shows up for the first, there's a shot in this movie where it just shows it hanging. Just it, it's in the director's cut, but it just shows it hanging, and it's one of the scariest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. You know, it, it's insane. But it, it leads to an incredible third act with one of my favorite jump scares ever. For those who haven't seen it, what the hell are you doing? But it's when she walks up to the wall and she's just touching some knobs or whatever. And the fucking thing just sticks its arm out. It was hiding in the wall the whole time. It, it's one of the greatest jump scares ever. And I love when she finally takes that thing down. It's such an amazing moment. You know... This was a movie that always stuck with me. And yes, obviously, I'm saying it's the greatest horror movie ever made. I am an alien person over Aliens. Aliens is a great movie, but Alien to me is far superior. I would say horror over action any day of the century. But this remains the greatest horror movie I've ever seen. And I really wish that we could go back to small atmospheric horror that also has sci-fi elements in it. And I'm hoping that Fede Alvarez's new alien movie coming out this year is going to get back to these roots because the roots are still mighty golden. They have not gone rotten despite this franchise going rotten. Just please go back to this because there is a reason why people say it's one of the greatest ever made. And there's a reason why I'm saying it is the greatest movie, a horror movie ever made without question. It's oh my god, dude! That that's a, that's another one that's definitely not left my mind. It, it definitely scared the shit out of me, like it did for you. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, I I had the pleasure of also seeing this one, like The Shining, on the big screen. It funny enough was after COVID, the first film I managed to see in the theater. They uh, they used to do the. Uh, what they called the Tuesday night classics. They used to do them only weekly, but they figured, a, you know, showing them would be a good way to try to get people back out to the theater. And it for sure worked because they do them a little more often now. But the first film I saw, um, I came back to the theater in January of 2021. And the first one I saw was alien. And, you know, I had seen the film before, but seeing it in the theater was freaking crazy. That was that is still hands down one of my favorite theater experiences because this is a great film. Really crazy to see, not only in the theater in the dark, it really added a whole other layer to it. And also, I mean, there's so many things about this movie, little things that I just think are so admirable. Like you, you brought up uh, the part at the end, and then there's even a another part or two prior where uh, the xenomorph is. Yeah, it camouflages so well and it just all of a sudden like comes at like the one where the one scene it's like kind of towards the third act you know when he's like he it looked like he was part of the wall and all of a sudden he just starts like rolling out you know what i'm talking about that's it that part is just crazy um and also i didn't know i mean i guess i never cared to look but i for the longest time didn't know that the xenomorph was a guy running around in a mask wearing a suit. I mean, I never, I guess I, you know, should have figured, but when I went to the Academy Award Museum, I saw the mask that, you know, wore in the film. I was like, what? That's just crazy. The size of that 
fucking mask. It like goes back so far, like behind his head. I was like, that is nuts. Um, and I love in general, the approach to this film. I mean, I'm personally an aliens guy more than alien, but one thing I really like about this movie more than aliens is first of all, there's only one. And second of all, it's very much so more like a survival, kind of like a survival horror game, but obviously it's a movie, but you know what I'm trying to say, the comparison, it, it's almost like a survival horror game in a way, especially um, when we get behind the perspective of Ripley and they're almost more like animals than they are say like, Oh, the, uh, the gray aliens with the big old heads and the black eyes, like kind of like the kind of aliens we saw like in Nope uh, depicted, but the ones that the kids were wearing costumes. Yeah. Like the cliche, but yeah, no, these are more like creatures, like animals. Yeah. This movie is awesome. Um, so many things. The concept is just so great. So many layers in one movie and it's nuts, but yeah, I'm also a fan. It's great. All righty, Luke, what is your number one? If you guys have been following my YouTube channel or if you guys know me personally, this should come as no surprise. It is none other than the original Hellraiser. My boy, Pinhead. Um, how do I say this? The first time I, this is another film. The first time I watched it was um, during COVID. Um, I just needed films to watch. And that was actually how I was able to see some of the classics for the first time was during COVID. Like it actually gave me time to watch more movies. And that was how I also came around to watching this fucking masterpiece. Um, so the first, but the first time I watched it though, I thought it was fantastic for sure. But I didn't think that they utilized um, what they were trying to do like the, in the greatest way possible. But then like these last few rewatches, because I've seen this movie like about five or six times now. Or hell, maybe, maybe even eight times, like in, in general. I've always noticed like new, like more little nuances to this movie and what they are trying to set up, even especially with this kind of lackluster franchise in some ways even though I've liked more than, even though I've liked more than most. Um, but regardless of that, um, Pinhead, the Cenobites in general are really freaking creepy and the practical effects that they use for the Cenobites and especially Pinhead himself is, in, this is also some of the greatest practical effects I've ever seen. Maybe even the greatest practical effects I think ever used in horror films. Because when the guy that tampers with the the music box that you that you can see is in Pinhead's hands, when he tampers with that, the only way he can revive himself is feasting on human blood. And it is such a genius concept. And this was based off of Clive Barker's book. I think it was called um, it was called The Hellbound Heart. That's what this book was based on and clearly going into Hellbound Hellraiser 2, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the first one. Um, Doug Bradley, I don't think they'll ever get a better pinhead than Doug Bradley. He is pinhead. Like, 
he is the one that really relishes his role. Even though Jamie Clayton was phenomenal as Pinhead in the remake, I don't think anybody could do it better than Doug Bradley. Nobody can do it better than him. And this is a de- this is also kind of a romantic kind of like science fiction horror film. But the way that Clive Barker does it, and I should know, he directed this movie, mind you. He directed this movie. The way that he depicts this kind of story with the romance that he even decides to depict it in, I think is amazing. The acting all across the board is incredible. Like, not one single weak performance. And, like I said, the Cenobites are creepy. It's the practical effects that they use is amazing. I love the look. I love the concept of this box. Like, I really love that concept. Like, and again, this is also something that kind of leaps back into what I would also say about certain films story. They give you a story to latch onto and also characters that you care about. And, um, you actually care about these people. Like, you're not just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, you're just like, oh, yeah. Pinhead, come to your job. Kill these people off. But regardless of that. (laughs) 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 I just had to. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. and But the last 15 minutes of this film is, or, yeah, yeah, the ending or like the, the last 15 minutes, probably the greatest horror ending I think I've ever seen. I, and it, when they introduce the Cenobites, I know it's obviously build up to the sequel, which is really good, mind you. But this film, again, story structure, acting, practical effects, directing, writing, all across the board, it, all these ideas uh, they're pitching to you and executing right in front of your eyes. I really don't think they could have done better. This is my second favorite film of all time. And easily without a doubt, my favorite horror movie. That's really good. I, yeah, this movie is really freaking good. I, I like this one quite a bit. I have a poster that I just haven't hung up yet. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, that's what speaking of which though, when it can't, when it comes to this movie though, I need to get my hands on that arrow release. Yeah. Same same that that one has been at the top of my arrow wish list for a while and it they for a while i don't know if it went out of print or they just weren't like it went out of stock or something but like it kind of disappeared for a while but yeah like if i ever have kids one day and they're <laughs> of age by the time i will show them this movie and show them the true and, and show them true horror and what it really is like it's not just you know slashing through poor people or the, the the dumbest people on planet earth it's got emotional gratitude yeah it's one of those it's one of those films that really impacted me to a point where it's like this and like and i'm and it always makes me think about like why i love talking about movies on youtube like hell yeah it's one of those films that helps remind reminding me of that and I will still remember that for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. My number one for anyone who knows me the least bit. Well, you know that my favorite filmmaker of all time is David Lynch. Many credit him to be a horror director, 
even though not all of his films really are outright horror films, there's only a handful that I would even really give that to. But this is definitely one of them. It is hands down the scariest film I have ever seen. And it also belongs to my favorite, not just franchise, but piece of visual media ever created. That is his film that I think is his best. Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me. This is a life, well, for me, was a life-changing movie. And I'm just going to say this. I have not been moved by a film like this since I the first time I saw Pulp Fiction, and that was like in fifth or sixth grade or so. It has been that long since a movie has reached that level. But this one certainly did. This is my favorite of his films for sure. When we're talking about his solo films, this is definitely my very favorite. It has one of the most criminally underrated performances by our lead, Cheryl Lee. She is a wonderful lady. In fact, behind me, where is it? Uh, It's really in the background, but you can see there is my fire walk with me. Um, signed Criterion copy that she signed for me when I saw this film playing on the big screen. There was a meet and greet with her and the actor of Bobby, aka Dana Ashbrook. And um, I got to meet him as well. He's super cool. But that was a theater experience I will never forget. And it is definitely to this day still my favorite theater experience I have ever sat in. An experience for myself this this movie just means so much to me and i if i had to rank my favorite films i mean this one would probably be my second favorite but if i could get away with saying that my top three are tied it would for sure be pulp fiction the nightmare before christmas and this this film i have no problem calling my tied for my favorite film of all time it's so scary very traumatizing very triggering but it's done with so much purpose and that's something that uh that i admire so much about david lynch is that yes the things that happen in some of his films can seem so out there and so bizarre and so to some who aren't looking at it close enough unnecessarily disturbing but it's never done for no reason there is always a very clear artistic vision behind it it's just a matter of if you can get it and if you can vibe with it and man i could go on and on but this film hands down again tied for my favorite film of all time and definitely 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 my favorite horror movie ever made Still have not seen it, but which I'm going to get around to it, but I can't wait, dude, because I have been definitely on a David Lynch kick lately. Um, as of right now, as recording, I've been on a huge kick rewatching uh, some of his classics like Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, and actually, as of right now, recording this, yet last night I actually watched uh, The Elephant Man, and oh, God so depressing but david lynch 
like not only knows how to go out there, but he will destroy you. Like, like not only just destroy you like emotionally, but mentally, because Honestly, I watched Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive uh, by the end of the year last year. And both of those films are, like, the most mind-numbing films I've ever seen. Like, but it's all props, man. So I have to give credit for that. So that's kind of the reason why I need to latch onto Twin Peaks and get around to watching this movie and see what I think. Yeah. I'm excited for you to finally get around to seeing the show. You, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the pilot for sure. In particular. Yeah. But can't wait. Yeah. All right. But yep. All righty, everyone. Well, we have officially made it. That was a really fun conversation. I really enjoyed hearing your guys's lists and I really had fun as well talking about mine too. And I can't wait to see what other horror film favorites lists our people conjure for us up in the comments. But speaking of the people, we're going to take a minute here to go around the room and let everyone know where they can find you guys. So I'm going to give Tyler the solo layout here. Tell us, where can we find you? You guys can find me on Instagram. Type in Mind of a Nerd. Uh, it's the purple and green icon. Um, it looks just like this. Um, I do movie reviews. I cover movie news. And also, go follow the Nerd Talk official YouTube page. That is where I primarily um, operate out of. We do Nerd Talk every Wednesday, covering all the movie trailers. And sometimes we do movie reviews as well as do spoiler talks for the biggest movies or TV shows. We just did one for um, Echo for all five of you that actually cared about that show. Um, so go check that out if you have not already. So, yeah, once again, Mind of a Nerd on Instagram. Cool. All righty. My co-host, Ponzo, go right ahead. Well, you guys should probably know me by this point, but I am LukePonzo23 on Instagram. I am also on Twitter. It's not X. Fuck you, Elon Musk. Um, yeah, at Luponto. I'm also on Letterboxd and Serialized at Luponto. Also on TikTok and Criticless at Luke the Film Buff. And of course, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's just my first and last name, Luke Ponto. I do um, a lot of live Q&As. I do watch-alongs, physical media updates, all that good stuff. And... Also, tune in every Monday. Depends on what time I decide to do it. Maybe, yeah. Every Monday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time is my um, now weekly show, the Movie Goers Live show that I've been trying to prop up. So, yeah, if you guys love movies, physical media content, watch-alongs, and all that good stuff, come check me out. You're always in the right place. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. For those of you who are watching via video format, the best way you can help this podcast grow is absolutely free. Like, comment, share, and subscribe. If you are listening to us via audio, please rate this show on whatever platform you're getting your podcast on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, etc. And 
if you can, if you have the option to leave us a review, tell us how we're doing. What can we improve on? What do you like about our show? We'd love to hear your very honest feedback. So please do leave it. I'm going to leave y'all here. I love y'all. Bless y'all. And I will talk to you guys again soon.